So again, Luke 9, 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto the, a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, and when they f- became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two, man, two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Great. Thank you, Lexi. And please do keep uh, your Bibles open there at Luke 9. And as we, as we look at that together, let, let's, let's just pray. Lord, uh, we do pray what we just sung, that you would shine uh, your light into our hearts, chase the dark away. Uh, so that your glory may shine in us, may shine to us, and may shine through us. And it may be for your glory and your praise. Amen. Now, I just want you to if you think about this past week, if you can, um, as, as, as we start. And think about what you have found yourself daydreaming about. Think about what or, or who you couldn't get out of your head. Think about what got you most excited this week. What, what is it that filled up your, your mind and, and your heart? And so where there was some space, it just kind of came to the surface again. You know, how you live your every day is how you live your life. So whatever it is in this week, this past week, that's captured your thoughts and captivated your heart, well, that is what you're living for. Another way you you could say it is that is what you glory in. Glory is kind of a bit of an old school word, isn't it? But but what it means is it's what's got most weight in our lives. What it is that we we regard as truly good and and, and beautiful. What is of most value to us? And and we're made as people with this, if you like, this homing signal for for glory, we're, we're made to, to be drawn to something greater and something, something better to live for, to keep us going. And so what is it? Where have you tuned in for that glory in your life this week? Is it the holiday just around the corner that you're just hanging on for to, to get to? Is, is it the new dream home that has filled your, your mind and your heart? Is it the dream of that relationship with that particular person that you don't yet have but you would love to have is it financial security is it the new Nike Airs is it being popular with your friends it could be any one of a number of things these things that we give great weight to and great value to in our hearts and in our lives these are places that we are looking for glory and yet so often they let us down don't they 
self and they let us down. The, the curtain is pulled back and they can't carry the weight of glory that they promised to us and they, they disappoint us. I, along with a few faithful others, am, uh, am a lifelong Spurs fan. Um, and uh, if you know anything about football, you know that that's quite a hardship uh, that, that we carry. Um, Spurs have this, this motto, the game is all about glory. The game is all about glory. And in this, oh no, it's actually last month because we're in April, but in last month we were knocked out of two cup competitions. Another manager has gone yet again on the merry-go-round. Our Champions League hopes are in the balance. No glory for Spurs for another season. It delivers much, but it promises very little. Now, Luke's story is is an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us in Jesus. His account is a story of how Jesus delivers and and brings to completion, to fullness, all of the, the promises and the purposes of God for his people in the world. And so, really, this is an account all about the glory of Jesus. And this week, what Lexi just read for us, Jesus goes up a mountain with three friends for this all-night prayer session, and these friends get much more than they bargained for. As the curtain is pulled back, and they see, and they hear of the glory of Jesus. And listen, this glory of Jesus is something that in no way disappoints, in no way lets down. Now, I admit, it, it, what happened seems a bit weird uh, to us at, at first. But, but I guess in a world where God is active, we would expect some things to surprise us from time to time. And this might be one of those things. So what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a few moments in the midst of our week now. Just trying to have some sanity and some sane thinking and, and tune into the glory of Jesus together. And, and, and let's tune into this glory that doesn't disappoint, doesn't let us down, and let him shine into the dark corners of our lives. So the first thing I want us to do together is to look at the glory of Jesus. Will you look at the glory of Jesus? I don't think I've ever had a friend who you see them in a different context, what you're used to, and then you see them in a totally different light. And you're like, wow, they're like that. So um, it happened a few years ago for me. I've, my little cousin, who's like the youngest in our generation of the family, so he was like the little kind of little squirt growing up. He became, a few years ago, a CEO of this tech startup. And so I watched an amazement on YouTube as he gave like a Steve Jobs-style kind of product launch um, presentation to thousands of people watching, kind of walking across the stage, sharing his stories and stuff, uh, as the CEO of this business. And that's my little cousin. And I just saw him in a completely different light in that context and in that situation. That's the sort of thing that Peter, John, and James get on, on this mountain. Uh, they're up there with Jesus, and, and Jesus is praying um, to, to, to his Father God, and they get this insight. They see Jesus from this new perspective that they haven't seen before uh, as they see uh, an insight into the real relationship between uh, Jesus and his Father that they get this glimpse into this beauty and this splendor of this communion, this relationship between the eternal Father and and the eternal Son. And and we read that as Jesus prays, they see the appearance of his face changes into something other, something from another place, from heaven itself, and his clothes become bright as as a flash of lightning. And so in that moment, they're glimpsing and they're seeing the pure radiance of the divine 
glory and brilliance that shines brighter than the sun from Jesus himself. He's revealing his purity and his perfection and his righteousness and his goodness and his holiness and just everything that is just incredibly good. Jesus is showing them who he really is. He's showing them what he's really like. This isn't like some reflected glory that that comes from elsewhere, but this is the radiance of the Father's glory in the Son. This This is what Jesus has in himself, who he is. It's the divine glory that he possesses in himself as the second person of the Trinity. This is a glimpse for them of the glory that Jesus has shared with the Father in all eternity before he veiled his glory and took on the cloak of humanity and became one of us. This is a glimpse for them of the glory that that, uh, he will return in when he comes back at his second coming. And every eye will see and every tongue will confess, we're told, that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is glorious. And and yet what these guys see is, is but like a faint reflection. Is that but a glimpse of the true glory? It, it, it kind of, it shows them towards what he's like, and, but it doesn't show the fullness of it and, and, and the depths of it and the, because they wouldn't be able to cope. As if the glory of Jesus could be captured in some clothes that shine bright or, or changing appearance of a face. Now, if, if his glory was really and properly and fully revealed, then these guys would be consumed. No, it's the kindness of Jesus that he shows them something that is very true of himself. And indeed, he shows us this too, but he shows it in symbols that are adapted to what they can cope with and what they can manage, that they can grasp hold of. You know, I don't think you've ever been there when a parent explains something quite complex to their toddler. And they're explaining the thing, but they're just explaining it in such simple and such basic terms that the toddler can, you know, what is a government or what is a business? You try and explain that to a two-year-old. You've got to, well, this is what Jesus is showing the truth of himself. And he's had to so uh, adapt it that, 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 yes, it's true, but it's not the fullness. There's lots more to know. Jesus has lots more going on than we see or we often realize. And, and they're getting a glimpse of it, and yet they can't even manage with that. It's enough for them and us to be captivated. It's enough for our thoughts to be captured. It's enough for our eyes to be drawn to him again. See, these three guys, Peter, James, and John, they have this unique experience on this mountain. But, but do you know what? We learn something about ourselves through their experience. Did you see in the middle, it's, it's a lovely verse, verse 32. I don't know if, I think this is the bit I can relate to in, in this story. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I think it was probably an all-night prayer session or a very early start in the morning. And so they're tired on the mountain. They've been praying and they're nodding off or, or maybe even in a deep sleep. And, and they're struggling to pray. And they need to be shaken out of their slumber and become fully awake to see the glory of Jesus. And once that's happened, what we see that goes, happens to these guys is their lives go on to be revolutionized by this glory of Jesus. So later on, here's what they, here's what they write. John writes later on, we have, come, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Peter writes, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. 
when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. They were sleepy, but they were woken up to the glory of Jesus. Here's a question I'd like you to mull over now. Are you fully awake to the glory of Jesus? Are you fully awake to his glory? Or are you just a bit sleepy about it? Even now as you sit here, are you just kind of dozing through another sermon? Not tuning in, not not setting your eyes upon his glory. Do you see, are you excited about his goodness and his beauty and his radiance and his love and his grace and his compassion and his kindness? Do you see his justice and his love for truth? Do you see his power and his knowledge and his humility and his gentleness? Do you see how brilliant and how exciting and how amazing and how inspiring and how excellent Jesus is? As the curtain is pulled back for a moment this morning, are you awake to his glory and his greatness? Or are you a bit spiritually blurry-eyed? And if you're awake to the greatness and the glory of Jesus, is your life revolutionized by it? Was your life this last week lived as if he has the most glory, as if he is better than everything in every way and all things? Will your, will your week to come be lived saturated in a sense of, of his glory and his greatness? Because once you've seen his glory, everything is changed. Listen, when, when I say look at the glory of Jesus, this is what I mean. I mean stare. I mean infatuate. I mean dwell upon. It's not just like a quick glance, oh, I'm done. No, it's keep it before your eyes. So Paul writes in, in, in 2 Corinthians that we are to contemplate, we are to reflect upon his glory. Guys, I, I, I know and I'm sure you know there is so much to distract and to detract. There is so much to discourage us and, and, and distance us. There is so much to lead us to deny and to downplay his glory. There's so many shadow glories that we fill our lives with. There's so many things that fill our hearts and we can put before our eyes and we can fill our vision with. Look upon, contemplate, reflect the glory, reflect upon the glory of Jesus. And this verse promises that as we do that, if we do that, to the extent we do that, as we behold the glory of God shining in the person of Jesus and we look again and again and we stare and we reflect and we contemplate. And, and even as we do that this morning, the promise is that we ourselves are being transformed. Even as we look upon him again and set our hearts towards him, we are being transformed into his image, into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. You see, true beauty beautifies. Something that's truly beautiful makes uh, us beautiful. It changes us from the inside out so that we share in that same beauty. And so true glory, in the end, brings us to share in that same 
glory. If you're a Christian, the promise of God's word is that one day you will be like him, for you will see him as he is. When Jesus returns, we'll be finally and fully transformed into his likeness. And so we will have this greater capacity to see and to appreciate and to enjoy his glory. We'll be given that greater uh, ability. And while we wait for that day, what this tells us is that why not get ready for it by looking upon, by seeing, by filling our vision with again and again the glory of Jesus. And so little by little, we are transformed by him. Listen, you can work out what it might look like for you to to look and to look again and to look again upon the glory of Jesus. You can talk maybe in cell groups or gospel families about how you can let that fill your life. Look upon the glory of Jesus. And secondly, listen. Listen to the voice of Jesus. It's a challenge for us, isn't it, to tune into the glory of Jesus in, in our lives. As I said, God made us with that homing signal for glory that's to lead us to him. The problem is we so often tune into other frequencies or, or we connect to the wrong Wi-Fi network and, and we look for glory in, in something or somewhere else. And that inbuilt desire for good and true and beautiful, we try to satisfy somewhere else. And then when we do that, we get life all wrong and life just starts to, doesn't really hold together in the way that God's intended it to. Now, there's, there's three little conversations that happen on the mountain in this scene, and they will help us to, to tune in to the right frequency. So here's the first conversation. There's these two other guys there, Moses and Elijah. We read that they appear in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Now, now these guys probably don't mean too much to us, but back then they were a really big deal. They'd been dead for centuries, but they're these legends of the Jewish religion. Someone in, in our gospel family described them as big dogs of the Old Testament this week. That They are because they represent the law and the prophets. And Moses and Elijah, both themselves had these great encounters with God on the mountain in their lifetime. And here they are on this mountain. They come from the glory of Father God in heaven to, to look upon the glory of the eternal Son on this mountain and to bask in his reflected glory. And this is for them the mountaintop experience of all mountaintop experiences. This is the pinnacle and the fulfillment as they stand with the eternal Son of God in human flesh who's radiating the glory of God. This is their, their life moment. Talk about being patient, waiting. 1,500 years for Moses. And, and what are they excited to discuss with Jesus? They talk about his departure, which he is about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Literally, the word departure is, is exodus. It's, it's also a word that's used of, of death. And so Moses and Elijah are excited to speak with Jesus about his cross at Jerusalem, where he will die, and along with his resurrection and his ascension, together will be the fulfillment of all of these things at Jerusalem, where Jesus will bring to completion and deliver on all of the promises and the purposes of God for his people and his world. They're here and they're talking and they're enjoying this conversation, and they've had the conversation, and once they've had that, they're ready to leave. Well, our second conversation is Peter. In verse 33, as he normally does, he gets in the mix. And uh, we're told he doesn't know what he's saying, but of course it doesn't stop him 
from having to go anyway. I don't know if you've ever been in like a new situation where like you feel a bit awkward, a bit unfamiliar, and you don't quite know what people do and what they say. And, you know, well, when Peter's in that kind of situation, he's like, I'm just going to give it a go and, you know, give him a best foot forward kind of thing. And he probably should have kept quiet, but also he recognizes something amazing here. Jesus, it's good for us to be here. This is, this is amazing. Let's turn it into a camping trip. Let's just hang out a little. And, and this is a good place. I'll, I'll put up some tents and we can just spend some time here. And this is a good place. And you can see the goodness of his heart. He's just enjoying this moment. He wants to stay there. But as Micah helped us see last week, Peter, just like us, wants the moments of glory and not the moments of the cross. He never wants the self-denial or the suffering. He wants all the good stuff like we so often do. But Peter had to learn, and we have to learn, that the, that the glory and the cross are not incompatible. In fact, true glory comes the other side of the cross. Jesus hasn't come for a holiday. He hasn't come for a camping trip, but he's come for a rescue mission. He's got a job to do, an exodus rescue mission to fulfill. And so that leads us to the third conversation on the mountain. And this, this conversation is the final word, if you like. It brings the whole scene to a close. It says, the voice of Father God booms from heaven. This is my son. Or other writers say, this is my beloved son. My son whom I love. Whom I have chosen. Listen to him. It's one of three times in Jesus' life there's an audible voice from heaven that, 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 that booms out, the, the, the voice of his father. It is baptism here and just as he's on his way to the cross in the final days in the shadow of the cross. And every time that heaven opens up and, and an audible voice comes and, and erupts, it's like a, a proud father bursting with joy over his son. This is my son. I love him. He's a delight to me. He's amazing. He's, he's my glory. He reveals my glory. He is so good. The father's delight once again declared over his son. And just as the voice booms out, the cloud that represents for God's people the, the presence of God. In the Old Testament, it's known as the Shekinah. It descends on the mountain. It's as if God is saying, Peter, shh. Just be quiet a moment, Peter. Will you just listen? Will you just stop coming up with a plan? Just stop speaking. Just listen to my son. This is my chosen one. This is the king who has come to save and to deliver on my purposes for my world and my people. Listen to his voice. Listen to where he is heading. Listen to what he's come to do. Listen to his plans and his purposes. Listen when he says that the son of man must suffer many things. Be rejected and be killed before rising again on the third day. Listen when he says that anyone who wants to come to me and follow me must take up their cross daily and follow me. For that is the true path to lasting glory and true life. Peter, you can't camp out on this mountain. Because my son's got to go to Jerusalem to fulfill these things. Do you hear the voice? Of your good shepherds? Do you recognize his voice? We so often seek these shortcuts to glory, but he leads us on a path through life that's often filled with suffering, it's often filled with self denial and difficulty. But it's a path that ends in true and lasting glory. 
Are you tuned in to his voice? Are you ready to listen to the voice of Jesus? You know, the plans of Jesus, the voice of Jesus doesn't always make sense to us, does it? In the moment. But in the end, it will and they will. It's an intense moment for the disciples. They were full of all we read at what happened. And, and then yet the moment passes and they move back on. And we'll see as we pick it up again in a few weeks. They move on in their ministry. And so they keep this to themselves. And they didn't tell anyone at the time what they seen because at this time they're not able to make sense of it. But a few months later, Jesus would walk up another mountain in Jerusalem where God's chosen one, the Lord of glory, would offer himself up to death on a cross for sinners just like you and just like me. And on that mountain, it would look anything but glorious. It would look anything but beautiful. It wouldn't look wonderful. It wouldn't look worthwhile or valuable. You'd think, there is a loser. That is just foolish. That is worthless. What a waste of time and what a waste of a life. And yet in that moment and on that mountain, the glory of God was brilliantly and beautifully and incredibly and surprisingly and amazingly seen and experienced. Because the Lord of glory, the Lord who shone brighter than the sun on one mountain, was hung up to die on another mountain. And it didn't end there. In Jerusalem, just a few days later, that one rose from the grave. And just a few weeks later, that one, just near Jerusalem, ascended up to heaven where he rules out and where he reigns. And now he is in heaven in all of his glory. And he has completed his mission. He has fulfilled all things. And so it's only after those things, and only after Peter, um, James and John had seen and experienced that, and along with the others, that, that they could see the cross in its true light. They could see, yes, it's suffering, and yes, it's a cross, but yes, then it comes to glory. And so it's only then that this, this snapshot of glory they got in the middle made any sense to them. And it's only then that they start to talk about it. It's only then that they start to write about it. Let me encourage us as we close. In our own suffering, in our own daily cross-bearing in the way of Jesus, that often doesn't feel very glorious, looks and feels like people around us are getting a lot more of a shot at glory in life than we are sometimes, doesn't it, as God's people? That life path that is the way of the cross is a life path that finishes in glory. Jesus has shown us and he has promised us. You know, I think our souls are often tired. I think we're often worn out, heavy laden and, and burdened. And because we look for glory, because we look for strength, because we look for beauty, because we look for delight in things other than Jesus. And time and time again, these things don't deliver on the promise they hold out to us. And they, and, and they let us down and they can't get us through. And we just get jaded and, and tired. And there's so many other voices, aren't there, that are offering us a path through life that gives us cheap and knockoff imitations of glory. And we can have it all now. And it's so easy and it's so straightforward. And, and there's no cost and there's no pain and there's no suffering. And yet they just don't deliver. 
and yet the Lord of glory. Always and ever before us and always and ever present. Standing and just offering his life to us. So will you look upon the glory of Jesus? Will you look again and again? Will you listen to his voice, the good shepherd who knows you, who knows what you need, who has good for you? And will you follow where he leads? This is the king of glory. This is God's chosen one in whom he delights. And it is from him and through him and to him that are all things. And so to to him may the honor and the glory and the power be forever and ever. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as the musicians come up and, and we're just going to pray and, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to sing of this Lord of glory together and, and to worship him and to tune our hearts and our minds. So please, please stand and let's just have, have a moment of, of reflection and prayer uh, before we sing of this Lord of glory. Jesus, you are the glorious and the beautiful one. We pray that we would look upon, even now as, as we sing these songs, they remind us of truths about you, we would look upon your glory. We would, we would tune in and listen to your voice. And so would our lives be filled up with, with the knowledge, with the experience, with the reality of your glory that we were made for. Would that sustain us through the inevitable hardships of life? And would you increase hope of the glory to come? Thank you, we will have it with you fully one day. Just now we get a taste, a foretaste of that. Help us to delight ourselves in you. Even now, Lord, would I pray any of us who are feeling hearts that are withdrawing or pulling back from you, hearts that are hard to you, hearts that are distracted and want to be distracted, hearts that are too easily satisfied with other things, Lord, please, would you break down those walls? Would you shine your light into the darkness? Would you, would you win us again? Would you woo us? And would you be glorified as we glorify ourselves in you? Amen.